On the 6th of August, 1794, with little more than the dress she stood up in, Josephine emerged into a France that had changed forever. With Robespierre dead, people streamed onto the streets, no longer afraid to speak to each other. They saw a city in ruins. Paris was derelict and neglected, rubbish piled high, and weeds grew through the cracks in the roads. Animals ran wild and beggars huddled in corners. The grand houses had been entirely despoiled. Not only the furniture and mirrors from the interiors, but the lead from the roofs and glass from the windows had been snatched and sold. Bands of robbers and pickpockets scoured the streets, and murder was par for the course. Josephine took an apartment on the Rue de la Université for herself and her children, sharing with another female friend, Madame de Crenny. Madame Austin was still in prison. She began borrowing to survive. All her possessions at the Rue Saint-Dominique were still sealed away and unavailable to her as the property of the state. She needed gowns, jewellery, crockery and supplies. She threw herself into the arms of General Osh, who whiled away his time with her, handing her money as he left. Josephine had tried hard to conserve her beauty in prison, but it had been a hopeless quest. She was slender and her skin was fine, but her hair had thinned, her teeth were ruined, and she was often racked with nervous illness. At thirty-one she had to use every aid of beauty she could find to ensure Osh's affections. Luckily, she still had her sensual arts. Osh wrote to his child wife, Adelaide, telling her that he was unavoidably detained in Paris. Josephine confided in him her fears about her son, and he offered to take Eugène on tour with him. "'We are free,' cried one newspaper. "'Our thoughts, our intentions will no longer be poisoned.' Even though Robespierre was dead, the people could not forget the atmosphere of denunciation and suspicion, and it was impossible to feel at ease in conversation with friends, even at home. Parisians were grateful to Talien and his allies, but they did not trust them. The British were still blockading Martinique, but Josephine managed to find someone travelling to New England who would take a letter for her. "'You have without doubt heard about all the awful things that have befallen me,' she wrote to her mother. "'I've been widowed for four months. My only consolations are my children and you, dear mother, for my support.' My most cherished wish is that we will be reunited one day. In the wastes of Paris, poverty-stricken and desperate, she found it hard to feel grateful for her survival. My children now only have my support, and I cling to life only to make them happy, she wrote. As a P.S., she added, Greetings to all the slaves on the plantation, and sent a kiss to her wet nurse. Josephine begged her mother to send letters of credit or supplies of sugar via Hamburg. French currency had been devalued by a third, and anyone who had sugar or coffee could sell it on the street for a high price. She wrote again and again to her family, begging for money while living on loans and credit. In the ruins of post-terror Paris, only the moneylenders were getting rich. One friend gave her food, Another gave her petticoats and skirts.
Paris had turned into, as one Swiss traveller put it, a giant flea market. The gang sold their booty. Families tried to earn money from their belongings, and neighbours ransacked the homes of anyone who had not returned from prison. Everywhere on the streets were carts selling furniture, curtains, tapestries, floor coverings, saucepans and plates. There were piles of children's toys for sale at street corners, and stacks of clothes balanced on makeshift tables near the river. Agents acting for the Russians were investigating what could be bought cheap, and men sent by the Prince of Wales had snapped up paintings, bronzes and furniture from Versailles. Josephine, unable to retrieve her belongings, spent excessively on new tables...